Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good morning, Father's House. My name is Pastor Tim. I'm the pastoral care pastor here, and I have the awesome privilege of introducing our speaker. But before I do, I'd like to let you know that yesterday was Pastor Terry and Pastor Anita's 28th wedding anniversary. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I'd like for us to do so we can get this on film, get it online, is we're gonna, I'm going to count to three. And I want everybody just to yell out happy anniversary to them, please. One, two, three. Happy anniversary! We celebrate with them, and I'm glad they'll be back with us next week. Glad that they got a little chance to get away. Well, this morning, I have the great privilege of introducing Dr. Dwight Bain to us. Dr. Bain is an author. I have his book here. It's called Destination Success, A Map for Living Out Your Dreams. You can get this on Amazon. I highly suggest that you go on Amazon and pick this up. And by the end of today, you'll know why. Let me read you a couple quotes here. Stuck. I help people rewrite their story through the power of creative change. In a crisis, you need counseling strategies. In a slump, you need coaching strategies. My purpose is to add greater value to your journey. Those are quotes from Dr. Bain, and that just shows his heart to want to help others. Dr. Dwight is an author. He is a national, nationally certified counselor and certified leadership coach through his counseling service in Orlando LifeWorks Group. He is an internationally certified critical stress, cr critical incident stress debriefing trainer. He is the trainer where Brenda and I have been, just had the privilege of sitting in on crisis management training and we're just thrilled to be a part of his classes and we learn so much every time we get to go and be with him. He is a crisis team leader. He responds whenever there is a community crisis. The Twin Towers, Parkland, Pulse, any place people are hurting, Dwight is there lending his expertise in how to help a community and individuals heal. He is one of Pastor Terry's overseers, which means Pastor Terry is held accountable to, to Dr. Dwight, and he helps him and coaches him. But the greatest part about it, to Brendan and me, he's our friend. Please welcome to the stage Dr. Dwight Bain. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about chapter 13 of unshakable because if you have unshakable faith to stand strong when things are going wrong and you're facing death and you think why would they give Dwight the subject about death well it's because I'm a downer I mean are you heard of Debbie Downer I'm Dwight Downer all right I am here today if you had a good mood I'm here to just take your mood down a few notches because talking about death you say well that's kind of a depressing subject well let's just make it more depressing right because when I think there it is when I think about this idea of death and dying everything has an expiration date 
This is half and half. The expiration date said it was still good. And when I poured it into my coffee, it came out lumpy and kind of like big chunks, like yogurt. And I'm stirring it up. It doesn't get better. And so I did what any good husband would do. I said, here, honey, here's your coffee. No, I didn't do that. Um, I, we've been married 34 years. I want to stay married 35 years, and so that is not how you stay married. But was I happy when it came out lumpy? Should coffee cream be lumpy? It said the expiration date was okay. And every time you look at lunch meat or cheese or a battery, I found out that running shoes have expiration dates about 250 miles. You need to throw them away because the arches go bad. Car seats have expiration dates. Oh, yeah, you and I have expiration dates. Everything has an expiration date. So I thought this would be good just to, to, to be a total Dwight Downer. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you have an expiration date. Just try that. You have an expiration date. Doesn't that just feel good? I mean, there's some of the people, and you, and you know the people that you came here with, and to be able to say, one day you're going to die. And then just, you know. Everything has an expiration date, but watch the difference. From the book Unshakable, Nelson says, we need people to help us hold on. Hold on to our hope, hold up our attitude, and take hold of our emotions. That's part of the reason God gave us the church as a spiritual family. Watch this. Christianity is not only the best way to life, the best way to life, it's the best way to die. Chapter 13 is about facing death. Now, I know that we kind of had fun with the fact that we're going to expire. But you know the weird thing? People don't want to talk about death. They don't want to think about death. It's one of the hardest things for people that sell insurance is convince people that they are going to be among the undead, not like Halloween, you know, the old zombie. Because some people think that, well, I don't wanna, if I don't talk about it, it won't, it won't, it won't happen. All right, everybody take a big breath. Let out slow. There'll come a point in your life, it'll be hard to take your next breath. Everything has an expiration date. Everything will reach a point where it expires. That is the nature of life on this planet. Now the good news, there is a place called heaven. There's a place where there's no more expiration. There's a place where you pour the cream into the coffee. It's never lumpy because it's never messed up. But on this world, things get messed up. And when you think about expiration, and you look at all of these celebrities, did they think it would be their last day? If the crocodile hunter knew it was going to be his last day, just doing a normal shoot, a normal filming with rays, you think he would have hugged Bindi Irwin, his daughter, a little tighter? Hey, baby, it's my last day. I love you, sweetie. Carry on my message at the zoo. I won't be back. Do you think if Whitney Houston had known it was her last day? The scary thing, some of the faces that you see on the screen, they knew it was their last day because they took their own life. Why would they do that? Because they didn't think that their life mattered. Your life matters. And one of the most popular films in the history 
of Hollywood was a film called It's a Wonderful Life. Have you, have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? And it's a story of a middle-aged guy who's going through financial ruin, his business is failing, he's terrified, and he reaches the end of this life, and he stands on a bridge, and he says, I'll just jump off in the icy water. My life does not matter. It would have been better if I was never born. And if you know the film, you know he gets his wish. Let's see what your life would look like if you were never born. Let's see what this town would look like if you were never born. Very similar to another Christmas film, another Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. Isn't that what Scrooge goes through? He gets to the end of his life, and he gets to see this is your past, this is Christmas present, here's Christmas future. They only come to your funeral to take stuff. Because you're dead and nobody cares. Standing on the edge of the bridge, George Bailey says, my life does not matter. And God sends an angel to say, let's take a look at your life. And I thought this morning, I want to give you two main messages. One, you already have. You have an expiration date. You can either be prepared for the expiration date, or you can face it unprepared. I do not recommend that one. But the second message... Your life matters. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you matter. You matter. Because when I look at, everything has an expiration date, but your life matters. Let's take a look at your life. The average lifespan is about 78 years. And so when you look at this, if your life, it's not in your study guide. And by the way, in your packet, you have a study guide that looks like this. It says everything has an expiration date. I hope you take one of those. It'll help you in your life groups later to be able to think about follow-up questions. Which part was the most meaningful to you? But when you look in your study guide, there's also a fill-in-the-blank section. I'll say this ahead of time. It's kind of dangerous. In the very back page, there's the answer key for the fill-in-the-blank section. I say that's dangerous because the compulsive people is why I put it in an answer key. Because the compulsive people, Pastor Tim, if I miss a fill-in-the-blank, they're mad at me. And they're like, you know, he missed a fill-in-the-blank. But the risk is the compulsive people, you know who you are. Now that they know there's an answer key, they won't listen to anything else that I said. They will fill in all the blanks, and then they will leave. And they will say, I, I got, I mean, I filled in the blanks. I'm done. So there's a, a study guide in your packet to please take and reflect on. What's not in there is that little clock. Because if your life was like a clock, if it was like a watch dial, age 20 would be one quarter. We call it quarter-life crisis. And there are some people... In the quarter-life crisis, what am I going to do with my life? That's an actual thing, by the way. I know because I looked it up on Wikipedia. Very reliable source. <laughs> In a quarter-life crisis, I've got all the student loan debt. I don't know if I'm going to get a good enough job. Quarter-life crisis. My parents were married, divorced a couple of times. Will I ever find true love? Quarter-life crisis is a real thing. But look at halftime. If your life was like a clock face then 6 o'clock would be age 40. Halftime. What are you doing with your life? There's something called the midlife you. I guess women in the middle years of life go through something called menopause. I'm not sure exactly why it starts with men, this horrible thing that women go through. Why does it start with the word men? I never really understood that. Like menstruation. It's like, couldn't they have like come up with a different term? Like buickstration or something. 
Buick Paws, but no. And I like Buick. Buick's a good car. Men go through something different than women. Women, it's very physical. Men go through something very psychological. It's called the midlife you. Because in those middle years of life, halftime, they have to determine, am I going to live for pleasure or am I going to live for purpose? There's a study that's done every year by the National Geographic, and they look at the happiest men, not just in the United States, but globally, and the happiest men are 55 plus in age because they understand purpose. They don't live for pleasure, they live for purpose. So what are you living for? Oh yeah, what happens to guys in the middle years of life when they're not living for purpose? Well, they buy red sports cars. They do lots of interesting things to show that I am still young, this is actually a thing. I'm not making this up. In Silicon Valley, you can have a butt lift if you're a guy. Not making this up. I can't imagine how painful it would be after the surgery. It's like, here, have a seat. No, really, I'll stand. <laughs> wow, sir, those are quite impressive buns you have there. <laughs> yes, I paid $10,000 for my butt lift. Why would they do that? Because in Silicon Valley, if you're above the age of 45 or 50, they will not hire you. It's called ageism. It's a thing. Because you're too old. This is a young person's game. Technology is a young person's game. But when you look at the clock, right, 40 is halftime. Are you living for purpose? You're living for pleasure. Oh, yeah, what about my age bracket? Right? 60 plus is called fourth quarter. Now, here's the good news. Do you win a game in the first quarter or the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. Unless you're my Orlando Magic, and then you know, we just, we just you know, bring people to Orlando to, so they can have a good time, right? I love my Magic. They don't seem to win a whole lot. You win a game in the fourth quarter. And what's weird, one of the highest suicide rates, particularly in the United States, is among men above the age of 65 because they have no purpose. So they get to the fourth quarter, and they just give up and lose. You win the game in the fourth quarter. That's when you mentor people. That's when you share wisdom. That's when you have more to give and more to share. It's fourth quarter. That's when you can invest back into families, especially single-parent families, to say, you're not in this alone. Right? Fourth quarter is when you win the game, not the first quarter. So when I look at this clock of life, since we have an expiration date, I want you to understand, if you knew how fast that clock was going, and it seems to get faster as I get older, you wouldn't waste time. Comscore reports that the average American will spend 20 hours a week on their cell phone or their smart device. That's 43 days a year. 43 24 hours, uh, 24 hour days. So if I could get you five weeks of time, do you think you could clean out your car and your closet? Because people who say, I don't have time to do this thing at the church. I don't have time to clean out my garage because I don't have time. Well, why? Well, because they're watching cute kitten videos 43 days a year. That sounds like an addiction, doesn't it? Because it is. And it's made to be addictive. There's a cure for it. It's called airplane mode. Or just turn it off. Oh, but what would happen if I turned it off? Well, your life would go on. And you would see that there are people around you who need to see your eyes not just the top of your head. You see the top of my head, it just is blinding. I mean, look at that right there. You see my face, it's not so bad. If you knew how fast life went, 
if you knew how fast the expiration date would get here, you'd pay more attention to your time. I believe that. But what if we were intentional? All right, so let's start at kindergarten and look at the average person, average lifetime, is going to meet about three, have interaction with about three different people every single day of their life. That's 80,000 plus people in a lifetime. That's the cashier at the store. That's somebody that you pass here at church that you don't know. And what if we were intentional with time? What if we were just kind? See, the movie It's a Wonderful Life is not just a film about a guy in the middle years who has a business fail and financial ruin and is desperate. I'm worth more dead than alive with my health insurance and my life insurance. Nope. It's a movie about kindness. It was Jimmy Stewart's favorite film because it showed, okay, let's see what life would look like if you were not here. And what it shows is that the town was completely changed, not because he was famous or popular. That was his brother, if you know the story. The whole town was changed because he was kind. You and I have a chance with 80,000 people in our lifetime. That's, that's like, you know, two or three football stadiums of people in our lifetime that we could be kind to. It happened to me this week in Atlanta. I was preparing this message for our time. I'd been working with crisis responders, and there was a Publix across the street from the hotel that we were using. So I walked across the street, and I wanted a Philly cheesesteak sub. And it wasn't on the menu in the deli. It is at our Publix here, but it wasn't there. And I was so disappointed, and I said, and I look at the menu, and it's not there. And a young woman overheard the guy who said, we don't make that here. And she said, I know how to make one of those. And she made me a Philly cheesesteak sub with grilled mushrooms and peppers and, uh, and onions and the way God intended Philly cheesesteak subs to be made. My wife says, don't put onions on that. And I don't listen to her about other things either. And so I just get, so I got my sub and I thought I'm going to go get some, some chips and some fresh salsa in the produce section. I'm going to get some cut up vegetables and produce. And by then I got my arms full because I just came in for the sub. And a young man came over and said, can I get you a basket, those little green baskets? I said, that would be so kind. Yes, that'd be helpful. And he did. And I get my cut up fruit and a couple of bananas and I'm leaving and I see he's unpacking some boxes with a woman in a red um, shirt. She looked kind of more formal. And I walked over and, and I said, hi, Douglas, is this your manager? And he looked kind of scared and he went, yes, sir. He had not called me sir previously, so that's when you know somebody thinks they're in trouble. And I said to his manager, ma'am, I want you to know Douglas, Douglas is very valuable. Douglas makes a difference for your company. Douglas was kind to a guy from Orlando who just wanted to get a sub and something for supper. And he was kind. And a lady standing saw me talking and she kind of came over and she said, we all love Douglas. Don't you think that Douglas went home that day and said to his mom, there was this old guy he was so old, like the crypt keeper. <laughs> I don't know where he was from, but he told my manager that I was kind and that I made a difference. How much did it cost me to do that? Do you think he'll always remember? Do you think you could do the same thing? 
We have 80,000 opportunities in our lifetime to be kind to people, to interact with brand new people and to be kind. Don't you think that shows them something about our faith in Christ? See, your life matters. Your life matters if you're intentional. To be intentional is an ARK. Now, it's not in your notes. This is not in the fill in the blank, but just write down acts, random kindness. That's an ARK. Because when you and I practice acts of random kindness, it ripples throughout Leesburg, Lake County, the villages. If we're just kind, why do people go to Chick-fil-A? Well, it's my pleasure. You said, I thought they went to Chick-fil-A for the chicken sandwiches. Their whole model is built around we're here to serve. Companies that are built around customer service, which is essentially kindness, it's a wonderful life, showed a man's life if you were kind the way you had been living. Yes, you were not rich in money. Your business was failing, but you know what? You were kind. That's power. Couldn't this church be a place that was known for kindness? That we just practice acts of random kindness? There was a Starbucks in Connecticut at a drive-thru where people, one person got the idea a couple years ago, I'm just going to pay for the Starbucks, my Starbucks, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. Which is really important because sometimes Starbucks equal five bucks and it might be, but, but 113 people kept the chain going. And the cashier would say, your bill's already been paid by the person in front of you. Would you like to pay it forward for the person behind you? And 113 customers all day long said, you mean they paid for my Starbucks? Yeah, I'll pay for the next person, sure. Acts, random, kindness. That's how you change people. Well, I'm going to expire. That's kind of depressing. But between now and then, I can be kind. And when I do that, it models something about my faith. Now, one of the things I want you to see, and it's in your study guide, because it was kind of hard to read on the screen, if you'll flip over to page five, because Jesus tells this story, and it's a story about this really rich guy and this really homeless broke guy, and he tells the story, and it fits exactly what we're talking about. This is in uh, Luke chapter 16. Jesus said there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. So basically, we think he shops at Neiman Marcus. He feasted sumptuously every day. I mean, every meal is just, you know, Chef Emeril perfect. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. He just wanted crumbs. He didn't even care. This was pre-eaten food. He, he's a homeless beggar. Moreover, even the dogs came and they licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now watch this. He called out. He's in hell. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Now this is really interesting, folks. He knew the beggar's name. He knew who the beggar was. He had just walked past. Yeah, yeah. Beggar, beggar, nope, term, sorry. He knew the beggar's name, but didn't care. It's really interesting. He's in hell, and pay attention to the next part of the story as Jesus is sharing it. Is he thinking about Lazarus when he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on who? On me. 
for I am in anguish in this flame, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger, just one dip of water to cool my tongue. Whose tongue? His tongue. Did he care about Lazarus? He was still caring about him. He goes on. Abraham said, child, remember in your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner received bad things, but now he's comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, and here's, this is interesting. So he gives up on Lazarus, because Lazarus was just about serving him. Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he might warn them, lest they come to this place of torment. So now, okay, I don't care about Lazarus. Okay, fine, you're not going to help me. Okay, fine, whatever. Help my brothers not come here. Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, which is scripture, neither will they be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. And just a few months later, Jesus would be killed and would rise from the dead. Do you think that the Pharisees, the hard-hearted religious people, some of them were very wealthy, do you think that they would listen to one who rose from the dead? They didn't then, and they wouldn't now. Why? Let me show you. Here's the things. The rich man forgot about heaven. He didn't think about hell. He didn't think about heaven. He thought about him. And he thought about his own happiness. So when you're looking to a person, you can tell what they believe. Is it about them? Is it the me show? All me, all the time. Here, oh look, it's the me channel. All me, all the time. Me, my, I. Me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, I. Well, how can you tell? Oh, well, they will be quite impatient. They will be quite unhappy when they do not get their own way. So when you see somebody who is moody, we got very quiet, Pastor Tim. Very quiet. So perhaps, this is very risky, this may be life-threatening. Turn to somebody that you came with, look them dead in the eye and say, stop being moody. Just try that. Just stop being moody. Seriously. It's not a good look for you, let me just tell you. Moody whining, not a good look. The rich man didn't care about heaven, he cared about him. He cared about his own happiness. Look at this. The rich man cared about his riches before a relationship. He, you know, hey, you know, whatever, I just need, I need to get paid. He cared more about his own happiness than he did about the word holiness. I just want what I want. I don't really care about other people. You know, I know there's starving people in the world. That's their problem. They put themselves in that boat. Ain't my problem, bro. This is mine. He cared more about entertainment than eternity. How do I know? Because the story plainly paints a picture. He knew the right thing to do and did not do it so that he could do whatever he wanted. And it cost him. And it can cost you. And it can cost me. Charles Spurgeon said, the more of heaven there is in our lives, the less of earth that we will covet. So write in your study guide somewhere, write down heaven being human being. Here's the difference. 
a heaven creature thinks more like Christ. We call it take on the mind of Christ. And a heaven creature, you'll see that they are kind. You'll see that they have goodness. You'll see they have gentleness and patience. You say, Dwight, you're just listing the fruits of the Spirit. Exactly. Exactly. Because the fruits of the Spirit, when I'm able to live goodness and kindness and peace and overflowing joy, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. How do you know if somebody is living like a heaven creature? They are able to bite their tongue. You bite your tongue because mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say what? Right. Or maybe that wasn't Mom, Mom, that maybe that was Thumper in the Bambi movie. Either way, Mama quoted Bambi. So sometimes when you're ticked off, right? Do this with me. Take a big breath. Let it out slow. There's great wisdom in being able to say, you know, why don't you give me about 30 minutes to answer what you're asking? Because I don't want to feel bad tomorrow about what I might say right now. Well, wouldn't that save a lot of marriages? There is an old country song, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I've actually met people, because I've been a counselor over 30 years, who use that philosophy. It did not help them when the rent came due. Because if you tell your boss what you think about him, and that he's fat, ugly, and his mother dresses him funny, and he can take his job, your boss will say, you know, you know, farewell, good night, Alvita Zen, farewell, good night, you know, that little thing from Sound of Music, you know, okay, bye now, take up your check on the way out. Well, and I talked to people after they got fired, and they said, you know, I don't think I should have said that. Exactly. Or people after a terrible fight that was destroying one of their kids. You know, it's interesting to me, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's interesting people who say, I love my kids, but they're the number one person who verbally abuses their wife and kids. Isn't that weird? Well, I love my family, but they're the number one person who says hate and just pure toxic poison to their husband or their partner. Isn't that weird? But I love them, I just hate them sometimes. Well, that's really interesting. Human beings can be quite evil. Wars and rumors of wars, because humans can be really harsh with each other. But when I practice acts of random kindness, well, Dwight, they're not very kind to me. Exactly. So when you're able to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that come inside, because I know that one day I have an expiration date, and I don't want to carry your toxicity, but you need to get some help. And you take a big breath, and you say something with kindness. When you call our son that, you're not helping him be a better man. You're destroying his self-worth. Why would you do that? You ought to get some help. You know, honey, when, when you say those things, and you criticize me about not making more money, but when you say those things and you destroy my confidence and my esteem, just like my mother did to me, it doesn't make me want to go out and do more for our family. It makes me want to go numb my brain with drugs and alcohol, and I still show up. Because I'm not going to live that way. I want to be better, but it would be an awful lot easier if you would just speak to me with kindness. You want to change Leesburg, Lake County, the villages and beyond? Be kind. Be kind. 
Now take a look at this. The greatest question that you and I will ever be asked, and the most important question, if you died today, do you know where you would go? If you died today, the Bible answers the question. Yes. You can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. The last few weeks, I've had three different friends die. Two were Christ followers. You could tell the difference. You could tell the difference. And the part that I didn't know, even when I was thinking about this, when Pastor Terry and I talked about this topic a couple of months ago, it was 13 years ago, Andrea, this week, so when you were singing that worship song about my heart needing a surgeon, it was 13 years ago this week that I had a heart attack. And I got a second chance. My expiration date in 2006, I got a second chance. And so when I think about expiration date, Half of the middle-aged guys who have heart attacks don't survive. And I got another chance. I got to be like in a Christmas carol. You mean the spirits did it all in one night? And Charles Dickens, as he writes about Ebenezer, Scrooge said, and Scrooge was better than his word. Instead of being the stingiest, meanest man, he was the best man. Why? Heart change. I had heart surgery. My heart works. But I still have coronary artery disease. I still have to take medicine for it every day. I'm acutely aware that I have an expiration date. Now, I guess the good news is it's 30 years from now because I changed my life insurance a couple of months ago and Prudential gave me a 30-year policy. You know what that means? Tim, it means I will die in 30 years in one day because that's kind of how it works. I said... 30 years, they said, it's like you never had heart disease. I got a second chance. But you may not get a second chance. The most important question, if you died today, and scripture, and I've given you some scriptures that you can use in your life groups later, but as you read through those scriptures, you'll see that every one points to the fact there is a place called heaven, and there is a place called hell. We can be restored with God in heaven. You don't have to risk hell. But that most important question, that most important question, if you have the answer to that, well, what about the people you're in relationship with? Nobody likes to think about, if it was the last time that you saw your kid, would you want to scream at them horrible things before the school shooting? I get to go to places like Columbine and Parkland and Pulse. I get to go to places like Ground Zero in New York City or Thousand Oaks, or Las Vegas. Mass shootings like that in El Paso or Dayton, those happen every 11 days. So I've been in lots of places to be able to tell you in the middle of the crisis, you can tell who believes in Christ. And in the middle of the crisis, people weeping and screaming, I yelled at her this morning, I have to see my daughter. Man, I'm sorry to let you know your daughter was killed in the shooting. And they're screaming, and they, and they collapse on the floor, and they're begging, God, give me one more chance. Expired. If you know Jesus, why in the world would you not share him with others? If you have peace about God, Dwight, I would be embarrassed. 
a lot less embarrassed than going to a funeral and wondering. We all have an expiration date. But when I think about this process, because Billy Graham said, heaven was always my home. I'm not afraid to die. Heaven's my home. Earth was just a journey to get to heaven. Most important question, do you know where you would go when you die? As I said, there's lots of scriptures to be able to point this out. Death is still an enemy, the Bible says, and death will still happen. Cancer does not care what your zip code is. Sometimes there are people who get all the cool things, and they get the right house, and they get the right cars, and the right motorhome, and the right boat, the right motorcycles. They get all the right stuff. And cancer doesn't care what your zip code is or what your bank account is. Yeah, but it's unfair. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Moses, in the oldest psalm, Psalm 90, said, Lord, teach us to number our days. You and I have an expiration date, but our lives matter. So what are the takeaways? Well, there's two. We're going to expire. That's going to happen. But watch this. What can I do different? Well, live a life that's different. How? Practice acts of random kindness. Be a kind person. Being kind by being able to say, thank you for helping me today. Just being kind. The second thing, tell your story. Hi, I'm Dwight. I am a sinner, and Jesus Christ changed my life. And I'm in a small group with Christian leaders, and we always start by saying, hi, I'm Dwight. And everybody in the group, if you've ever been in 12-step, you all say, hi, Dwight. So let's practice that. Hi, I'm Dwight. I am a sinner saved by grace. And sometimes, if you want to have an attitude change, a heart change, if you'll remember that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Jesus changed my life. And then just tell your story. So there's really two groups of people here today. One is a group of people who are going to expire, but they're going to practice kindness. The other, the other is a group of people who are going to expire and they've never met the Lord. That film, It's a Wonderful Life, became such a popular story because it shows a guy who got a second chance. If you know the story, I hope you do because I don't want to spoil it for you, at the end, an angel comes down from God and shows he got a second chance to be a dad. I got a, I got a second chance to be a daddy. I got to watch my kids graduate from high school. I got to dance at a wedding. I grew up Baptist. It was like sinning in front of all of our friends. I got to dance. It got put on YouTube and went viral because it was ugly dancing. I was literally leaping. We did a six and a half minute mashup of songs, of, of my daughter's favorite songs from childhood. And we took 20 seconds of every song and did, you know, you know, can't touch this, dun, 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 can't touch this. You know, I didn't have my hammer pants on. I got a second chance to live life. George Bailey on a bridge, and it's a wonderful life, was given a second chance. You and I may not get a second chance, but we have today. We have this moment in time. And so, if you would, stand up, and I'd like to pray as Pastor Tim comes. 
Father God, we all have an expiration date. But I pray that you would open hearts and minds right now, Father, that we would live differently because of our time here. That our hearts and minds would be open to what your spirit wants to do in these moments. In Christ's holy name, amen. Pastor Tim, there are two groups of people here today, right? Group number one needs to meet Christ. Yes. I'm talking about stuff, and they're like, this is over my head. I just don't know the Lord. But group number two, Mm -hmm. they know Christ. They need to learn to be kind. Okay. Can we have an invitation that helps with both groups? Yes, we can. Thank you. Thank you. So as we still stay standing and think about that, you're here today. Dr. Bain has been telling us we have an expiration date. We know that. I mean, it's something everybody knows. So if you just bow your heads with me right now. And I'd just like to ask right now, if while he was speaking, you said to yourself, you know, I know I have an expiration date and I don't know where I'd go. But I want to know. I want to go to heaven. Tim, would you just pray with me? I'm in that first group. If you just raise your hand right now, right where you're at. I want to know. I want to go to heaven. I see a hand right here. Thank you. Thank you. See another hand. Amen. Amen. Hands are going up over this all over here today. And just if you would just say, Tim, just pray with me because I want to go to heaven. Anyone else? Just be one second now before I pray. So what we're going to do is, thank you, I see a hand. What we're going to do is we're going to pray together because we're going to celebrate with those of our new family that are going to join this family today. So we're all going to pray this together so that no one person stands out and feels funny about this. So we all say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son for me. I know I have an expiration date, but I want to go to heaven. So today, I surrender my life to you, and as best as I can, I'm going to live for you. I accept your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate, church. Come on now. Awesome, awesome. Second group of people Dr. Dwight talked to us about need to be just a little bit more kind. So if that's you today, and I'm going to start by raising my hand, because, you know, a lot of times I let those first world problems, you know what first world problems are, you know, like your phone does an automatic reset and you lose all your contacts and pictures and it's really not going to make a difference in the grander scheme of things and then you pout all night. Oh, wow, I think I just told on myself. Okay, so um, sometimes we need to be a little bit more kind. So we're just going to say a prayer that God just grants us the the desire to be purposeful in that. So I'm going to pray over you, and if that's you, pray in your heart today. Heavenly Father, today, Lord, we ask that you would just show us and help us, give us the desire to be more purposeful, to be more kind. Like we were taught today, it doesn't cost anything. And it can make someone's day. It can turn someone's life around. So, Father, let us be 
the people that are known for doing random acts of kindness. Let this be the church that they say, you know what? They're just kind there. They're nice. They're kind. So, Father, show us this week areas in our life and people that we come in contact with on how we can be kind to them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.